and find chapter 12. We're going to have a lengthy reading this morning, but you need to hear all of this as we think together about being the body of Christ. Just a quick reminder of where, we're, where we've been and where we're going. We started several weeks ago taking a deep dive into views of the church in the New Testament. We looked at Matthew 16 where Jesus used the term church for the first time in the New Testament there at Caesarea Philippi and gave that great promise that the Lord's church will be here until she is finished with her mission. He said that the gates of hell would not be able to prevail against the church. And then we looked at the book of Acts in chapter 2 where we see that beautiful snapshot of the first New Testament church in Jerusalem. I would encourage you to remember with me that there are six purposes of the church that are identified there in the Jerusalem church, evangelism, discipleship, ministry, worship, prayer, and fellowship. We looked at those. And then for a couple weeks after that, we took a close look at the church at Antioch, also from the book of Acts. Now we're going to begin to tighten the focus a little bit and think about who we are. Now, in looking at the church at Antioch, you'll recall that I encourage you for us to think about ourselves like a 21st century Antioch, that we want to be a church that innovates for the sake of the gospel, and we want to be a church that relies on the leadership of God's Holy Spirit. But what I want us to begin to look at now is where each and every one of us have our place in the church here at Bible Baptist Church. We are the body of Christ. And as we thought about when we first looked at the church in Matthew 16, that the church is not a building, it's not a geographic place necessarily, it's not a budget, it's not a program But a church is what? People. People. We're thankful for gifts like a campus and all of those things that God has given us to use for his glory. But if all of that melted away today, Bible Baptist Church would be very much alive. That's where you say amen. Not because I said it, because it's a truth from the word of God. If, if all of the peripheral things around us were gone, God would still have us here and we would still be a church advancing for the cause of Christ on mission with the Lord Jesus empowered by his Holy Spirit. But we know this, a church collected is only as strong as its individual members. And so what we're going to begin to see this morning is that the, the body of Christ, the church, shouldn't just be looked at collectively, but we need to think about who we are individually and how we make up the body. We are the body of Christ. Notice what Paul writes, 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12, he says, For as the body is one And has many members, but also the members of that one body being many are one body, 
so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. If you mark in your Bible, that's a verse to underline. So I want to go back and read it one more time. Verse 18, God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the hand to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism, no separation in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Now, You are the body of Christ and members individually. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this great day. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of this church. Thank you, Father, that we are the body of Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to learn this morning what it means that we are individually important to the body. Father God, this church will never be all that she should be until we all begin to cooperate and work together in a way that pleases you. I pray that you would do your work and your will among our hearts and lives today. I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Isn't the Bible such a well-written book? Absolutely, because it's the only book of its kind. On Wednesday nights, over the past several weeks, we've taken a deep dive into learning how we got the Bible, how God began to breathe it out by His Holy Spirit many years ago to men of old, how God the Holy Spirit preserved all of that for us so that you and I could open up a book that is absolutely 100% unique. Now, there's a lot of good books out there. And I love to read, my whole family loves to read, many of you love to read, but I promise you, you will never read a book 
like the Bible because the Bible is the only book in the history of humanity that was given to people by God specifically. And so when I say the Bible is a well-written book, it has to be. It just absolutely has to be because the Bible has one author and that author is God. Now he used a lot of different people to send his word to and he would use their outlooks on life and their personalities and all of those things. But God is its author, so it is indeed a well-written book. But one of the neat things about the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, is the rich use of imagery. You see a lot of imagery throughout the pages of Scripture. Some of the Old Testament prophets, God gave them great visions, and they would skillfully write down what those visions looked like. And in the imagery of those visions, we learn some great theology. Same is true in the New Testament, all through the pages, from Matthew to the book of Revelation, all throughout it, there's this beautiful, rich of imagery. It's abundant throughout its pages. But I want to say to you this morning that I really do not believe that there is any more poignant image or stronger metaphor, if you want to think of it like that, or no more powerful illustration than the one that the Apostle Paul uses here to describe the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the church in the New Testament is called a lot of different things. First of all, again, it's called the church. And we learned what that meant when we studied Matthew 16. That in the Greek, it's ekklesia, which means the called out assembly. Those who've been called out of the world, who have responded to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they have a unique purpose. They're not like the world. And aren't we thankful for that this morning? We are in the world, but we're not of the world. And so we've been called out. And so when we think about the church, it is the ecclesia. But there is even more than that. Do you know that in the New Testament, the church is called the bride of Christ? I want you to think about that. And in several different places, the New Testament writers pick up on that imagery. And they talk about the Lord coming back as a bridegroom for a prepared bride. And when we read the book of Revelation, we see that in the future, God has ordained a marriage supper of the Lamb. The Lamb is Christ. The bride is his church. And so that's a beautiful illustration in and of itself. The church is also called the vine or the vineyard. And I love what scripture describes there that we are connected as vines to the true branch, to the true vine, and he is the Lord Jesus. We're called the flock in the pages of the New Testament. We are sheep. And by the way, uh, come out on Sunday nights these weeks because we're looking at the 23rd Psalm, sort of word by word and verse by verse And we're learning what it means to be the flock of the great shepherd. So we're called the flock. We're also called the kingdom. That's what you are. As a citizen 
of the kingdom of God. You're a part of his church bigger than you're a part of a state or a nation or a part of the world. You're part of the kingdom of God. We're also called the family of God. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? To be called one of his own family members. We're called a building or a temple, but I'm saying to you today that there's no richer, no more powerful image or illustration in the pages of the New Testament for the church than what we find right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says we are the body of Christ. We are the image of Christ in this world. Paul uses, again, the body. And then in almost a a joking kind of way, a very jovial way, he talks about all the different parts that are in the human body and how they must cooperate together. Some of you might remember watching Captain Kangaroo back in the day. I've got to quit using these illustrations because I'm feeling older and older every time I do. Let me just let me just get up a load this morning. How many of us remember Captain Kangaroo? All right, those of you that don't, I'll say what I always say. Go back and Google it, and you can see what you missed out on by not growing up in my generation. But Captain Kangaroo, there there was another character that would come on his show that was called Mr. Goodbody. How many of you remember Miss Good, Mr. Goodbody? Uh, Miss Goodbody was Nurse Goodbody on Hee Haw, but that's a story for another day. But there was Mr. Goodbody on Captain Kangaroo, and you remember that he wore that body suit. And the body suit, you know, portrayed all the different organs and the muscular system and uh, the your skeletal system, all those different systems in the body. I thought about wearing mine this morning, but Amy wouldn't let me. She's shaking her head right now. But listen, that's what Paul does here. Paul uses all of these different parts, literally of the human body, to describe how as the church, as members of the body of Christ, We really do need each other. We need each other. Reminds me of the story of the three men that were on a desert island. Maybe you've heard about it. These three guys had gone out kind of like on Gilligan's Island. They were on a fishing tour and they shipwrecked and they were abandoned on this deserted island. They were there for days on end. And finally, one day, the three of them were out walking the beach of that island And one of them stumbled over something and they dug it up and it was a genie in a lamp. And so they found the lamp, they pulled it out, they began to dust it off and in rubbing that lamp, you you know what happened, the genie popped out. And so the genie said, okay, since three of you found me, I guess it's only fair that each of you get one wish. Usually there are three wishes for the individual that finds me, but since there's three of you, all of you get one. And so guy number one, Jeannie looked at him and said, well, sir, what's your wish? And he said, it's obvious. I miss my wife. I miss my home. I miss my family. 
would you take me back home? And poof, he was gone, magically transported back to his house. Second man, Jeannie looks at him and says, now, sir, it's up to you. What's your one wish? And he said, well, I'm just like my buddy. I miss home. I miss my wife and my happy life. I'd love to be back home. Boom. He was out of there. Then the genie looks at the third man and begins to ask him, now what's your wish? And he looks up at the genie and says, I sure am lonely. It'd be great to have all my friends back. (laughs) And boom, there they were. Thank you for laughing at me. I know that that's a little bit of a stretch, but I appreciate you humoring me for a moment. He missed his friends because he wasn't complete there on that island without them. Could you imagine trying to do church together without the together part? Could you imagine that if all Bible Baptist church was, was you and who you are and your outlook and your giftedness, aren't we thankful that we have our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. That's what Paul is talking about here, that the body is made up of individual members that God puts together just exactly the way that he wants it to be. I want to point out four things very quickly to you this morning as we think about being the body of Christ. You already see the first one, As we're members of the body of Christ, we are equally important. Every member, let me rephrase that, each member of Bible Baptist Church is just as important as the next member. We're equally important. Notice again what Paul writes in verses 12 and 13 of the text. He says, the body is one, it has many members, But all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks or slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Again, what Paul is saying here is that in the body of Christ, even though there's a uniqueness between each and every separate individual member, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, but he says, regardless of the uniqueness that's out there, we're equally important. I love what Scripture says there in verse 13 of the text. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from or what God brought you out of. It does not matter. You're important to the body of Christ. Because he says, by one spirit, we have all been baptized into one body. Let me explain that to you. And it's a great thing we can talk about it this morning when we had a baptism. Now, what we just watched earlier in our service was a water baptism. Because Miss Isabel had trusted Christ as her Savior, she chose to display that in that first big act of obedience and discipleship, and she followed Jesus in believer's baptism. Now, 
What do we believe about believer's baptism? We believe that it is in water and we believe it is by immersion, complete immersion. That's what you watched. You saw Miss Isabel very beautifully go down under the water, representing that she had died to sin and self and come back up, representing that she now walks in a newness of life. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Gorgeous picture. We need to do that every Sunday. That ought to be our goal. How many of you believe that ought to be our goal at Bible Baptist Church, that every Sunday we ought to be baptizing somebody? We're going to work on that. Amen? Yes, we're going to work on that. But here's what I want you to see. What Paul is writing about here is not biblical baptism by immersion. Now, it's biblical baptism, but it's the baptism of the Spirit into the body. When you baptize someone, like we saw a moment ago, her whole body went down into the water. Baptizo in the Greek language. It's transliterated for us into the English as baptism. It means to go fully down into something. It means to take one object, just like my bulletin here, and to place it down completely into another object. That's baptism. And so when Paul writes here that we have been baptized by one spirit into one body, that means what we said earlier, that when you come to Christ and you receive him as your Lord and personal Savior, and God the Holy Spirit comes to live within your heart and indwells you simultaneously, he snatches you up out of the world and he places you completely, totally into the body of Christ. That's what he's talking about here. We have been placed into the body of Christ, and it doesn't matter who we are. We all come from different walks of life. We were all reared up differently. Some of us may have a little different ethnicity in our background, and we may not all have the same type of bloodline, but I'm thankful today that the ground is equal at the foot of the cross. I'm grateful today that I can preach a gospel You see, a lot of people can preach the gospel better than I can, but nobody can preach a better gospel than I can because ours is a gospel that it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter if you're red, yellow, black, or white, all are precious in his sight, all are important to the Lord Jesus. And when one comes to him for salvation, receiving him as Savior, God places that person into the body of Christ. Hey, aren't you thankful this morning when you came to Jesus, Jesus didn't stand back and size you up and say, hey, I don't know about you. You didn't come from the right bloodline. You didn't come from the right side of the tracks. You didn't have much to offer. I don't know about you. No, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So the Bible says whether Jews or Greek, slaves are free, all, praise his name, have been made to drink into one spirit. So by God the Holy Spirit, we are baptized into 
one body. And here's the good news. We are all part of the priesthood of believers. Listen to what Peter writes very quickly in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, and then down to verse 9. He says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones. You're being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen race, a holy priesthood. Listen to that. That's who you are. You're a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I am not your priest. You're your own priest because you have a great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have to interpret scripture for you. You can do that on your own because we are part of a priesthood of believers. And that means simply one thing. We are all important to the body of Christ. Listen to me very clearly this morning. Never think for one moment something like this. I'm not very gifted and I don't have much to offer and what little I have is unimportant. That simply is not true. I've done this with you five or six times and we'll keep doing it because I want it to get down and sink deep within your heart. Thumbs up. Come on. Thumbs up. Turn around, look at it and say, I'm a somebody. You're a somebody. <laughs> not because of your background and not because of your particular gift, but you're a somebody because Jesus Christ died for your sins. God called you out of darkness. God has placed you into his church. And I promise you, you may not know it yet, but God has a gift that he has given you through his Holy Spirit. And God wants you to use that gift for his glory on earth through his church. You're never someone who's unimportant. We're going to have to come back and finish this next week. I, I get myself into these pickles. But I know you don't want to be here till five, so we'll, we'll conclude at this. But I want you to see it. We're a part of the body of Christ and we're equally important. I think that's all the Holy Spirit really wants you to hear today. You're important to the Lord. You're important to his church. You're important to Bible Baptist Church. And God's brought you here. Or God may have you on a journey bringing you here. Here's what I want to tell you. You are loved here. You are accepted here. You are wanted here. And you are needed here. You're needed here. Because the Lord brings his church together just the way that he wants it to be. As we close this morning, sometimes, you know, we talk about getting to heaven. We talk about going up yonder, getting to heaven. And we think about all the people that we want to see.
Are there some folks you want to see when you get to heaven? Heaven's sweeter for me each and every day. And I promise you there are those that I want to see when I get to heaven beyond my family. We think about characters in the Bible. Don't you want to see David? Don't you want to see the man that God used in his spirit to write this, the apostle Paul? I want to see Paul. And we think about great heroes of our faith like the great evangelist Billy Graham who a couple years ago went to be with the Lord. We think about all these big heroes. But you know what I believe with all of my heart? I believe this with every fiber of my being. That when we get to heaven, there are going to be no big eyes and little use. And we're going to see people. Listen to me very closely. We're going to be seeing people who great will be their reward because they were just faithful in the small things. In one of my trips to Israel a few years ago, I brought a gift back home to Amy. She was very kind to let me make that trip during Valentine's. And so I thought, you know what, I, I, better, I better do really good for her because I've missed this. And so one of the things, I brought her different little things back from there over the years, but one of the things I kind of splurged for and brought her back is uh, I found some first century widow's mites for sale. And so Amy wears that and she's got a little mite uh, on her necklace and she's got a, a, a bracelet that's made of the widow's mites from the first century. And I wanted to bring that to her because, you know, in our ministry, over the years, I've sort of been the one out in front because of what God has called me to do. But here's what I want you to know. I couldn't have done anything that I've done were it not for a supportive wife and family. And I don't do that to celebrate my wife beyond anybody else's. That's not what I'm saying at all. But hear me closely. Never, ever, ever for one moment think, you know, this little thing that I can do in the church, why anybody can do that? It's not important. Hear me from the very bottom of my heart. What God gives you to do is critically important. Back to the widow's might. You had these wealthy coming into the temple there at Jerusalem. And when they gave their offering, everybody would notice it. Everybody would hear it. The coffers in the temple had a brass funnel. It came out through a brass funnel. And when they dropped their big bags of coins or gold or silver, you'd hear it when it hit the coffer. Do you think anybody in the temple heard those little mites when they were dropped? No, not many. 
But God did. God did. And whatever God's given you to do, listen to me. It ought to be your privilege to do it. More than anything else, what you can do is important to the kingdom. It's important to the Lord. It's important to Bible Baptist Church. We are the body of Christ. And we are equally important. If you're here this morning and the Lord has spoken to your heart and God the Holy Spirit has pointed out your sinfulness and He has told you that you need to turn to your sin and turn to Jesus, repenting and trusting Jesus alone for your soul salvation, you know, it doesn't get more important than that. God is singling you out today. And God is calling you. The Holy Spirit is drawing you. Why would you not want to come to Jesus today? Come. Come today. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll cleanse you. He'll give you purpose. He will give you a gift that you can use in the body of Christ. Why wouldn't you come today? Maybe you're here this morning and God has pointed out a gift that you have. And you might not think it's a gift, but God continues to bring something to your thought, something to your heart, and he keeps telling you over and over again, you need to do this. There's room for you to do that right here in this church. You just need to come out of your stubbornness and say, you know what, I don't have all the answers. Here's the thing, when God guides, he provides. I know that sounds trite, but my friends, is that not true? Anything you have ever stepped out to do for God, responding to his call, he's provided for you the wherewithal to do it. And so if God's calling you to do something and you keep putting it off, you keep saying no, why wouldn't you come this morning and say, yes, you are important to the body of Christ. Would you stand with me and bow your heads this morning? In just a moment, we're going to sing together, and today, if you need to come, step out and come. Don't wait, don't put it off. Come and respond to whatever God is telling you to do today. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to sing. And if you need to come, would you come? Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his church. Thank you, Father, that we can work together in the body of Christ for your glory. Lord, may not one single person leave this place today feeling unloved, unneeded, unimportant. Father, you've got something for all of us to do for your glory. May we just step out and say yes to you today. I pray and I ask that in the name of the Lord Jesus and amen.